0: This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 1109, 103210. 1, 5 numbers to remember for lulling yourself into a deep, restorative slumber without fancy biohacks or supplements. Part one by Hilke Reitzma with bengreenfieldfitness.com. And I'm Dr. Neil, your very own personal narrator. Happy Monday and a very happy Labor Day if you're in the U.S., and welcome to another edition of Optimal Health Daily, where I read some of the best blogs covering health and fitness, just like an audiobook, and with my commentary at the end. And we have five shows covering a bunch of different topics. Just search for Optimal Living Daily to find all of them. Today's post is a bit longer than what I typically narrate, so I'll read the first half today, and then as usual, finish it up for you tomorrow. So with that, let's get right to it as we optimize your life. 10, 3, 2, 1, 0. Five numbers to remember for lulling yourself into a deep, restorative slumber without fancy biohacks or supplements. Part one by Hilka Reitzma with bengreenfieldfitness.com. One of the biggest contributors to overall health has little to do with how well you adhere to eating every color in the rainbow of organic produce, how many acres of pasture the meat you eat has roamed on, how dedicated you are to your fitness regimen, how many steps you take throughout a day, the number of hours you don't spend sitting at your desk, or even the amount of time you spend practicing gratitude. Yes, all of those factors are indeed important components of a well-rounded approach to optimal health and wellness. But everything I just mentioned could amount to diddly squat if you are not consistently getting, you guessed it, restorative deep sleep. Sleep deprivation has been linked to obesity, diabetes, glucose intolerance, anxiety, cardiovascular morbidity, disease mortality, increased alcohol usage, and even the explosion of the Challenger Space Shuttle back in 1986. But you probably don't need a rocket scientist or a rocket explosion to tell you this, because we've all experienced the effects that a night spent tossing and turning can have on athletic performance, overall mood, and cognition. While there's no shortage of supplements or devices that you can use to coax your body into falling asleep faster or to increase your deep sleep, today's article, a guest post by Hilke Reitzma of Biohackopedia, is going to focus on five simple tenets of sleep hygiene that should serve as the foundation to just about anybody's sleep protocol. I briefly mentioned this 10-3-2-1-0 sleep rule in my Minimalist Sleep Tips post, but now it's time to dig in to even more detail. The 10-3-2-1-0 sleep rule. As explained by productivity and success transformation coach Craig Ballantyne and also used by the world's leading high-performance coach Brendan Bouchard in his slightly stripped-down version, the 10-3-2-1-0 sleep rule provides exactly what you need if you're having trouble sleeping. It's a practical, easy-to-follow guide that requires no fancy biohacking devices, supplements, or guesswork. See, when it comes to navigating your way around sleep issues, simplicity is key, and it doesn't get much more simple than this routine, which can be summarized as follows. 10, the hours prior to sleep in which you will not drink caffeine. 3, the hours prior to sleep in which you will not eat or drink anything other than water. Two, the hours prior to sleep in which you will not work. One, the hours prior to sleep in which you will not be exposed to screens. And zero, the number of times you hit the snooze button. As practical as this 10 3 2, 1, 0 sleep rule may seem, any proper guideline should be backed by solid scientific evidence for its claims to be taken seriously and for the advice to stand the test of time. Let's do just that and delve right into the meaty science behind each of these numbers. 10. The hours prior to sleep in which you will not drink caffeine. As Dr. Oli Soviarvi, MD, warned in step five of his article, Deep Sleep Decoded, Everything You Need to Know to Increase Your Deep Sleep Percentages, sleep-disturbing substances include more than just coffee. Certain teas, guarana, yerba mate, and yes, even decaf coffee, all contain caffeine. There is an abundance of research that shows caffeine intake, even several hours before bedtime, can affect the quality of your sleep. Nearly 70% of people consume coffee in the evening, despite growing evidence that consuming 200 milligrams of caffeine as much as six hours prior to sleep can result in a loss of up to one hour of sleep. Caffeine negatively affects sleep stages three and four, which are considered deep sleep stages, through its blocking of a sleep hormone called adenosine. But it also increases sleep latency, the time it takes you to fall asleep. Luckily, the effects on REM sleep appear to be milder. So what cutoff time should you be aiming for? While a 10-hour window is plenty for most people, individual susceptibility also needs to be added into the equation, as caffeine sensitivity varies from person to person based on genes, age, and personal experiences. For example, a study shows that middle-aged adults experience increased disturbances in sleep as measured by electroencephalogram or EEG analysis compared to young adults. Another study suggests that as little as two cups of coffee in the morning may have negative ramifications on your sleep that night, leading to a significant reduction in sleep efficiency and total sleep time. Other studies have found that certain genetic predispositions may affect sleep quality, such as the DARPP32 gene and the adenosine deaminase, or ADA, polymorphism. Caffeine binds to adenosine and blocks its receptors. The role of the ADA enzyme is to clear extracellular adenosine. Therefore, genetics can also affect the sensitivity to caffeine. For this reason, some folks namely those who have trouble sleeping, should consider full-day abstinence. For the non-insomniacs among us, though, this may not be necessary. As indicated earlier, this may be influenced through individual gene composition as much as anything else. Three, the hours prior to sleep in which you will not eat or drink anything other than water. Meal timing, and dinner timing specifically, may play a crucial role in determining sleep quality for the night ahead. Also. Nocturnal rise in leptin and nocturnal levels of melatonin could be decreased because of late night eating, although more evidence is required for this claim to hold. What we do know for certain is that limiting food intake close to bedtime can assist in fat oxidation and increase the amount of slow wave sleep. Additionally, eating a smaller variety of foods and having an overall higher caloric intake are both associated with shorter sleep duration, and short sleepers. Also tend to consume less vitamin C, lutein, and zeaxanthin, which is found in green leafy vegetables like kale, spinach, broccoli, peas, and lettuce and egg yolks. They also consume less selenium, which is found in pork, beef, turkey, chicken, fish, and eggs. It should be noted that many of these studies do not exclude confounding variables. So, it is hard to draw the conclusion that factor X causes Result Y. Now, late night snacking is sometimes inevitable if you've had an unusually active day, or you have an intense workout planned for the next morning, or are simply still hungry after dinner. If you find yourself in a situation when you've got to eat something close to bedtime, glycine rich foods like gelatin is a great option because glycine has been shown to enhance the quality of your sleep. Craig Ballantyne and Ben Greenfield have discussed glycine and Craig has discussed his pre-bed glycine jello recipe in his podcast. But in a nutshell, all you do is mix up some gelatin with a little bit of hot water, add in some coconut milk or kefir, then a little bit of stevia flavoring of your choosing, put it in the fridge, let it set until firm, and that's it. For more of Ben Greenfield's go-to late-night snack foods, check out his detailed evening routine, which takes into account the planning and fasting window for the next day. Of course, this is all quite important for food intake during the daytime hours when you're not asleep, since we know that sleep deprivation can also alter appetite-regulating hormones and increase caloric intake. As your body tries to get in as many calories as possible, it sends out more signals that affect hormones such as ghrelin and leptin and can create cravings for more food the next day. If this cycle continues for long enough, it can eventually lead to obesity. Hear that on tomorrow's episode. You just listened to part one of the post titled 103210 Five Numbers to Remember for Lulling Yourself into a Deep Restorative Slumber Without Fancy Biohacks or Supplements by Hilke Reitzma with BenGreenfieldFitness.com. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? So thank you, Hilka, for providing this evidence. Hilka also mentioned something really important. Just because you haven't been following these recommendations in the past doesn't mean that they caused you to have poor sleep or get a chronic condition. Instead, they may have increased your risk. But as Hilka said, without looking at other lifestyle behaviors, we really can't know for sure. So what should we do? Should we just ignore this advice because we really don't know if this is gonna help us or harm us? Well, we can give one of these recommendations that were discussed a try and see if it helps, especially if it's not gonna cause you any harm. If it can only help you, it's worth a shot. For me, I absolutely love, love, love my coffee. I love the smell, the taste, the warmth of the mug in my hands. I love everything about it. But I know that if I have a cup of coffee after 12 p.m., I will not be able to fall asleep come bedtime. I just so happen to be sensitive to the effects of caffeine. So I make sure that all of my coffee drinking is done before noon every day. Now, could this all be in my head? Or said another way, could this just be a placebo effect? If I think coffee's gonna keep me up, it will. Yeah, absolutely. But I know that quality sleep is more important to me than an afternoon cup of coffee. So I'm willing to part with something I love, coffee, for something I love even more, a really good night's sleep. So cutting back on my coffee is only going to help. So to me, it's well worth it. All right, that'll do it for today. Thank you for listening every day. I hope you're having a wonderful holiday if you're in the US. And I'll be back here tomorrow to finish up this post. So I'll see you there where your optimal life awaits.